Hey Eurovision fam, it's Alicia Michelle and welcome to the Eurovision for Real podcast. Today's episode is going to be a hard one. It's going to be a hard one because I have a confession to make. Yeah, you're going to want to stay tuned for this. Eurovision for real with Alicia Michelle. <laughs> Hey, it is Alicia Michelle, and you are listening to the Eurovision for Real podcast. If you haven't already, please subscribe to this podcast. I'm not going to be bugging you or anything like that. That's the beauty of podcasts, you know, like you just get to subscribe. When you open up your little app, it says there's a new episode. So yeah, I'm just saying, if you can, if you want to. If you need to, no, okay. If you can, please subscribe. And if this is your first time here listening to the podcast, welcome, welcome. Basically, we talk everything about the Eurovision Song Contest, but we keeps it real over here. I'm not mincing words. And okay, today's episode is going to be intense because I have something to share. And I thought a lot about sharing this. I didn't know if I was ready to share this. But, you know, it's a podcast, and maybe no one's even listening to this. So, you know, maybe this is a safe space. This is a safe space. This is the Eurovision for real podcast. So, you know, we're not playing games over here. And basically, here's here's my confession. Okay, y'all. Okay, this is going to be a big one. I'm just going to rip the Band-Aid and just say this. So, um... Everybody knows that I was in Turin. I was very excited. I thought this was a very strong Eurovision year. I was super hyped for it and all of that good stuff. However, um, here's my confession. Okay, I'm just going to rip the Band-Aid. I have not been listening to any Eurovision 2022 songs. I know, I know this is sacrilege, okay? But this is the thing, okay? So, of course, this isn't completely true. (laughs) It's not completely true, but it's kind of true. This year, I've been struggling to revisit the music of the song contest, and I think it is due in large part because there were a lot of songs that I felt really connected to, and, and this is not to say that I didn't, come across a song on my playlist and I was like skipping it like it's not like I've been skipping Eurovision 2022 tracks but I will say I have not really been eager to dive back into them and it's strange because I do think once Eurovision 2023 season really really kicks off I think that I will be hopping back into my, you know, ESC faves playlist. I do think that that's going to happen. But I also said, this isn't completely true. It's not like I'm not listening to any of the Eurovision 2022 season songs. But when it comes down to my ESC faves, let's, let's start from my ESC faves. And then we'll work our way to the songs that I actually am still listening to. Let, let's maybe say that. Well, no... No, you you came here. You want to hear what I'm still listening to. I basically said 
that there are other songs. And you're like, okay, Alicia, what do you mean by that? What do you mean by that? Okay, so I'm going to break it down. And I've got five songs from the Eurovision 2022 season that I'm still listening to. And we're going to kick it off with the song, or really the two songs that have probably been getting the most plays from the Eurovision 2022 season. And this song, it's hailing from Finland, but it's not Blind Channel. (laughs) Oh no, it's not Blind Channel. I am talking about my girl, Vasala. I'm probably pronouncing her name wrong, but forgive me. But we're gonna talk about her, Vesla Vesala. I think she formally was married. I think she's actually Laurie, who is the lead singer of Blind Channel's ex-wife. I think they have a child together. And she was one of the hosts of UMK this year. And while she was hosting, and let me just say, UMK's show was amazing. I am so excited to hop into UMK this year, period, period. I'm really, really excited. Uh, to watch it because last year's show was so great. And and one of the things that I think they did so masterfully that I've never seen happen on the Eurovision stage, literally never, ever, ever have I experienced this on the Eurovision stage. But it felt like each time a performer and entry got up on the stage, I felt like I was watching the performance on a completely different stage. The way that they were able to adapt, formulate, coordinate, and bring each of the songs to life on stage was really powerful. Not to mention, I think UMK was completely slept on as one of the strongest national selections of the Eurovision 2022 season. But back to our story. We're talking about the songs that I'm still listening to. And... uh, I'm going to start off the first song that I listened to from UMK was Puka, Puka from Vesala. Let's, let's take a little listen. Let's take a little listen. When I tell you I am so deeply irked that this woman has not represented Finland yet at the Eurovision Song Contest, I immediately need her. I I, I don't want her to do anything. This is an internal selection, (laughs) y'all. This is an internal selection, y'all. Like, Homegirl got on the stage, performed this. It's heavy metal. It's electro. It was forward thinking. It's everything I love and more. I need Vesala to represent Finland at Eurovision. Low-key next year. I've been listening to song Ever since I saw the national selection, I was like, what is this? I was mesmerized, y'all. Mesmerized at this performance. To the point where once the national selection was over, I was feverishly on the internet. Not to watch Blind Channel's, you know, winning performance. No, 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 no. I was looking for the upload of Asala's live performance. And so Pulka was the first song she did. That's sort of how she like busted on the scene. And then she did this other song called Umama. And I'm going to play a little bit of that. Let's, let's get into that. Mm-hmm. 
The hook is infectious. The vibe of the song is very summer. It's very warm. So it just fell into like already kind of the playlist and vibe that I was in. Yes, this song just stuck with me. And when I tell you, I mean, the hook is amazing. And and don't come for me for like my like ghetto playing of the songs. Don't come for me. Uh, you know, I'm not trying to get in trouble. I don't know how these podcast streets are. You know, but I'm not trying to get in trouble. But I want to give you a taste of the song because really, Vasala needs to represent Finland immediately. Okay, let's let's hop into the hook. First of all, like the meaning of the song is really great. So like when you look at the translation of it, it's really great. But then also the way that she sort of performed it at the national selection, it was just really clever. It felt really cool. It felt really forward thinking. There was nothing about it that felt dated. She just looked like a really cool girl and and competent seasoned performer, which is what we need. And it's crazy because when I did my podcast, that was sort of like the countries that I would like to see win. I didn't include Finland. For me personally, I'd love to see Finland win. It's hard for me to want to bet on them, though, with the way that I feel like the Eurovision populace has kind of responded to them. But I will tell you this. If Finland gives us Pasala, if we get her at Eurovision, I'm all in. That's one of the songs that I've definitely been listening to. It's stuck with me. It's so good. It's so good. Actually, both of these songs, both of these songs are so good. Pulka and, and both of them, I feel like, have a freshness, have an originality to them. And then there's also like this level of catchiness. So they're catchy without being trite. Like when you look at actually like the lyrical content, it's like, oh, okay, you're actually talking about something. The production level is just amazing and just even the way that visually she put it together at that national selection amazing so like i said you know it's eurovision for real this is the eurovision for real podcast and i've been struggling with some of these eurovision 2022 songs and i haven't been listening to many of them but you know this podcast is all about the songs from eurovision 2022 that i am still listening to so we're gonna take a quick break And then when we get back, I'm going to get into the other songs from Eurovision 2022 that I am still listening to. Okay, so the next song that I have to say I'm still listening to from the Eurovision 2022 season. Yes, no, it's not a Eurovision 22 song. It is from Festival da Canção, which is... Portugal's national selection for Eurovision. Honestly, let me just kick off and say Festival da Canção was really strong this year and very strong in a way that I would say that playlist, it's on Apple Music, not necessarily a plug here, but it is on Apple Music. And when I pull up that playlist, I can really just let that one go. Start to finish, really dope songs. Now, I'm cool with Model winning. It's all good. Model came ninth place for Portugal, which, I mean, hello, hello. Portugal, if they keep it up, maybe they will win again soon. I'm, I'm appreciating the way that they are approaching their national selection. I think unlike some other national selections where it's like, it seems like you get the sort of same class of people that show up year after year, 
or the national selections that are really kind of rooted in like tradition and have a tendency maybe to make dated decisions or maybe have a populace that likes to play it safe. Portugal, I think, is really allowing themselves to be this platform for just young talent. And I'm not saying young, but young in age years, but young meaning fresh, meaning, you know, maybe there isn't a major label deal like, you know, maybe they haven't had a ton of success even in the country, but this is a platform that they can use to get that exposure. And and I think that this is really the way to do it, because ultimately I feel like Eurovision is almost the perfect audience for someone who is an indie artist looking for their big break. Now, that doesn't mean that I don't think legacy acts are great at Eurovision and that legacy acts don't have a place at Eurovision. I absolutely don't believe that. That would be crazy. Um, But I do think that it is a place for these novice young artists to get an opportunity for exposure and to share the stage with established legacy talent. I think that that's what makes Eurovision honestly so beautiful and in the moment. Uh, and, And this amazing kind of level set where we center and talk about the song and judge and reward the song and of course the live interpretation of said song. So I've talked a lot. Uh, the song from Festival da Consal that I am still listening to, and when I say still listening to, uh, it has been on regular rotation in my car. And it's Degradé. First of all, I think people already tipped me off that, yo, there's going to be this song that, with like Afro influences and you're going to like it. But you know, I always get nervous when people (laughs) tip me off because sometimes I'm like, yeah, no, don't love this. This was not that case. This song, there was something about this song that infected my soul and literally my physical being. Let me say that again. It affected my soul and literally my physical being. When the beat drops in the song, I cannot help but move. I cannot control my body. It has to move when I hear the song. Powerful. I think the way that Portugal has been, I mean, it's only, I guess, been two years. It's only been two years. But the way that Portugal has really, you know, gotten thoughtful about that on-stage presentation. The staging, the camera angles, the lighting, the atmosphere, the mood, the mood that you are trying to create. I feel robbed that I have not, that I will never be able to know what they could have done with this entry. We'll never know. And I'm so curious to have seen how they would have brought this to life. Again, love motto song. Saudade, saudade is great. It's a great song. It's a great song. It was great when it came out. It's great. Uh, But Degrade on a Eurovision stage, there would have been an echo. There would have been an echo of that. And I just, I'm so curious. 
and we'll never know. We'll never know. We'll never know. Yeah, we'll never ever know. And um, and I feel slightly robbed of that. So, you know, we started this podcast, you know, talking about how, you know, I'm not really listening to the Eurovision 2022 songs. And, you know, I had my ESC faves playlist, you know, leaving Eurovision. It's not like I just instantly was like, and now I'm not listening to any of these songs. No, but it's weird for me because typically with Eurovision, the stuff sticks with me. It sticks with me for a while. I'm still really jamming to it. I'm still really listening to it. And this year I just didn't have kind of that instant lead over and I don't want people to look into this too much because I don't think it's that deep and you know maybe I should have thought more deeply before I sat behind this microphone to talk to you but I mean this is your vision for real it's your vision for real and it's me it's me so like I gotta be real with y'all and I, I have to be honest with like where I'm at but I think a big reason and, and I've got three reasons I'm going to give you. I've got three reasons. So I'm going to say reason number one. Reason number one why I think I'm not diving into the music as I have, you know, previous Eurovision contests. I think a little bit of it is because going into Turin, I have made it up in my mind that Ukraine was winning. I think in the road, like maybe the two weeks prior, I still was like, eh, like I see some of the comments on the internet saying like, Ukraine's just going to win. Ukraine's just going to win. And I just, I think in my brain, because I'll say one personally as a hip hop fan, I just was like, well, Eurovision never really rewards hip hop, never really rewards it. And I think many times has almost downgraded it even when it was great. Like even when it actually was like presented in a current, fresh, and like authentic mode, it was discounted. So I was like, "Mm -hmm, I don't know. I don't know. But then I think, you know, even just the shift of, I say Ukraine really does get Eurovision. And I think what was hurting um, Stefania for me in the national selection was the presentation. And I remember in my reaction, I was just like, oh, this feels really grassroots, (laughs) a.k.a. like not polished, you know, and just kind of all over the place. I mean, you know, the camera was sort of moving frantically, you know, and with it being so sonically unique and kind of all over the place, I just was like, it's going to be really hard for people who already don't consume this, this genre to follow along in it. But then, you know, me putting my Eurovision hat back on, I'm like, Alicia, Ukraine knows how to do Eurovision. They're going to stage it well. The staging won't be the thing that detracts from it. And the staging for me personally in the national selection where it was like the camera was moving everywhere, there were dancers, like it just didn't seem like there was a focal point and, you know, it just seemed like there were seven people on stage with microphones and <laughs> and it was like, okay, who's singing now and what's happening? Okay, and where are we going? Like, whoa. It was just a lot sonically and visually. 
But then once we saw the rehearsal and everything was so intentional, it was like, (laughs) and here now all of this makes sense. And here now all of this, I believe, from my perspective, will be more palatable for an audience that perhaps tends to tune off when they begin to experience hip hop music. So I think that's a part of it where I think we didn't get a surprise winner. It felt very clear. I mean, the odds were insane. And so it was like, oh, we did all this. We came and traversed this road only to get the thing that we thought would win, win. Now, some of you might be going, well, Alicia, what about Arcade? Arcade was, you know, top of the betting odds and won. But here's the thing. Arcade didn't even win the televote or win the jury. So it created this situation where the path to winning, although everyone was like, oh, yeah, like Arcade, it's just, it's going to win. It's going to win. And myself included. I thought your Arcade was going to win. But again, I felt like there were other things at play. There were things in the lead up where it was like, oh, is it just ushered in? Is it just ushered in? And then on the night to sort of have the drama of it not winning the televote, it not winning the jury, but ultimately it having enough points to confirm the win. But that's not what happened this year. It just felt, you know, it was like, oh, this was just decided. And then I think for some people, it's just like, well, Well, if it was just going to be this, then, you know, what was the point, you know, of doing the whole show? Just give him the, you know, give him the trophy and and we wouldn't have to have the whole show and everything, which, of course, would not be as fun. It would not be as fun. So we can't do that. But, yeah, I, I wonder if that is at play where there's a little bit of like, oh, it just felt like almost like prophesied. Like it just was like it's just going to happen. It was so inevitable. It was the avalanche of inevitability. And then to have the victory, it was just like, oh, well, the thing we thought was going to win won. So, okay, maybe let's just move on to next year. You know what I mean? Instead of like reminiscing on those tracks that we love so dearly. So I'm like, I think that might be at play is that, yeah, I, it just was like, oh, the winner was just so obvious. So yeah, I mean, so the first reason is maybe because the winner felt a little bit predictable. So maybe that's why I haven't been diving into the plays. But I'd say the next thing is this was an all-over year. I think after Monaskin winning and kind of doing the thing that a lot of delegations thought would never happen, a.k.a. a non-pop song winning, even though, like, we know that this is not the Eurovision pop song contest. I hate to break it to y'all out there. A lot of the delegations, a lot of even the songwriters for the Eurovision song contest still hold this belief that they're like, yeah, yeah, like, yeah, maybe something wins. But, like, ultimately it is like a pop song contest. Like, most of the people, like, they want to sing like a pop song which is really unfortunate and like quite frankly just like boring. <laughs> it's just like so boring. And I don't know, this might be a podcast where I have to curse because like I mean it is so deeply boring. Like to think a song competition talking about a continent where each song is representing a whole ass country 
and you think people just want to show up and sing pop songs. That's so fucking boring. Like, I just, like, it's, it's, it's actually ridiculous. The fact, but, but, but I'm, look, I'm not the target audience for this. I'm an American. I'm an American, but somebody has to say it. Like, someone has to shake some of these countries and some of these songwriters that are just sat there regurgitating the same chord structures, the same key chain. Then we have like um, a dance break. Then we have like big vocal moment. Like, are you kidding me? But then also it, the onus is on these juries who reward the generic, who reward the formulaic kind of concept. It is so deeply frustrating (laughs) it is so deeply frustrating and i wish i wish that the ebu could maybe send out some type of thing a memo to tell some of these delegations to tell some of these national selection committees we are trying to be the most year after year the most viewed television show, period. Not just song variety show, period. So in order to achieve that, we've got to have tons of diversity on the stage. Not just the way people look, not just the languages, but sonically. We need some sonic diversity, okay? And if we have a competition where there are up to up to 40 songs able to compete and 30 out of those 40 songs are pop songs give me a break like give me a break nobody is watching that show nobody's watching that television show i shouldn't say nobody but the masses the masses are not going to watch that you got to give a little bit for everybody Okay, okay, rant over. So, back to point number two. This year was an all-over year. I think a lot of these delegations were like, well, this rock song won last year. And it's always typical after we have, you know, a type of song when we're going to have kind of like, I don't want to say copycat entries, but we're going to have entries that mirror that of the song that won the year before. In modern Eurovision years, that song never wins. <laughs> so again, if you're a country that wants to win, why you would send a song in the exact same genre of the song the year before, that is not a winning strategy, at least of modern years. But you can pray for an anomaly if you want. You can pray for an anomaly just hasn't happened recently. But um, but I think with that, it shook. Monaskins won. Shook. That win shook a lot of delegations, shook a lot of national selection committees to where they were like, ugh, what do people want? What do the people want? We want to give them what they want. And I just think they couldn't really figure it out. So with that, you know, when you listen to the whole breath, of this year of Eurovision, sonically, it might not be the musical progression that you would want. Now, I do think the quality of the concert and, and the contest 
has increased. And it's interesting because on my YouTube channel, you know, I'll get these comments recently now where everyone's just like, oh, God, you just say every song is great now. Like, what happened to you, like, calling songs out? Well, I would love to call songs out if they're actually bad or if they're lazy. And I think I still call out the songs that are lazy. And I think I still call out the songs that are bad. The challenge is the competition is just better. Like, whether you like it or not, whether you're used to tuning into Eurovision so that you can, like, bash and make fun of songs, it's a little bit more difficult to do that now. The song quality is so much better. It just is. If you want to bash some songs, go, you know, listen to some, like, idol auditions or something like that. At Eurovision, it's just, it's going to become increasingly more difficult to have that because the profile of the contest is being lifted. The quality of the contest is being raised. The potential to truly launch a career, the opportunity and door is there. So people aren't going to be coming here and wasting our time. And Loki, when I would bash the songs that I would bash, even though I don't think I've ever really bashed a song, I think I've been critical. I think I, I think I've given honest Eurovision for real feedback. But you know, I don't think I go out of my ma- go out of my way to be mean spirited. But the reason and root that I and basis of why I would call these things out is so that we can have a competitive Eurovision year. It's so that we can have a contest where we go, who's going to win? It's so competitive. What song is going to come out on top? So that we can have the Rosalinds coming out of the contest without a win, but still becoming a hit. Still becoming an artist that people who don't even know about Eurovision would want to consume. Okay? That is the basis. That's the basis. The basis is to get, you know, a quality contest that we sit up here and we don't have anything negative to say about an act. For real. But with that said, I still think sonically the contest was all over the place. And y'all know I've taken a break from the national selections because it does allow me to enter Eurovision in my opinion, with a better headspace. I just feel like I'm a little bit more like optimistic and I feel like I can really root for people Um, instead of being like, oh, y'all could have done this. Because like ultimately the debate of y'all could have done this only carries weight if the country doesn't qualify or like truly, truly for the big five, like truly tanks. That's the only time that that argument and conversation is really valid. Because if the song still does well, then you can't really be sat up here like, oh, but they should have sent this one. Well, the song that they sent qualified and it came, you know, respectable, like top 15. So like, what are you really talking about? Um, so yeah, so I think... I think this year was just an all over year sonically. So just the whole playlist, it could be a real journey of like, oh, and now we're going here. Ooh, now we're going here. So I was really thankful. Like this year, I really felt like I needed my ESC play- faves playlist just to choose my selects that I wanted to dive into. And for those of you listening, you might be wondering, okay, what was on your ESC faves playlist? So I'm just going to tell you right now. So I kicked off the faves playlist with 
Albania, Secret. I love that song. Then we transition nicely into um, Ella, which was Cypress's song. Then we take a slight shift, but the way that Stripper sort of opens, it teases you in the beginning. So we went to San Marino, Stripper. I liked the song. It was a moment. And then we, I, I, I always said it was as if I was listening to this like egotistical guy. And then I transitioned to the girl that was like calling him out. And so then we transition into Ireland's entry, That's Rich, from Brooke. We're going to talk about that song later. Then I went into Disco from Slovenia. Then Brivity. Then Died Together, Greece, which was actually my like top song of the year. I just I liked that song the most. Then we moved to Hope from Stefan. That was Estonia's track. And then... Okay. Okay, um, yeah, uh, this is Iceland's entry, loved that song, and then, um, ooh, ah, the Netherlands song to Dipta from Steen, Esteen, loved that, and then, not the same, Australia, Sheldon Riley, and then I pivoted to, Saudade. So that okay, motto, Portugal, and then okay, we gotta finish this off. Lights off. Um, where are you now when I miss you? And then um, Norway's entry. Give that wolf a banana from Subwoofer, and then we did. Let's go, Chanel, slow mo, Spain. Then I did Fulen, Fulen, and then ooh, Okay, yeah, Sentimenti, Lithuania, and then Cornelia with Hold Me Closer. Then I went to Spaceman, Sam Ryder, and then we closed out with All the Things You Said When I Was Just a Kid Telling Me That I... Okay, yeah, Denmark ready the show that was my esc faves playlist which there are some songs in there that did not qualify and it's like it's cool it's cool it's cool it's whatever it's whatever um but yeah there were some songs in there that didn't qualify or whatever but but i liked those songs those songs i, I and and i would say i liked the pairing of those songs i liked the run of show of those songs that i created and and I was into those, okay? You know, I was into those. But yeah, like, sonically, I think listening to the batch of songs was maybe a bit more challenging. And so then the third reason, because I said I give, like, three things that I'm like, maybe this is, like, what's at play. And I think the third thing is just a personal taste thing. But, you know, Ukraine song wasn't my favorite song this year. And... It wasn't in my top 10. It wasn't one of my least favorite songs this year. So, you know, (laughs) you know, so it wasn't like it was at the bottom of the list. But for me, Ukraine was a little bit more in the middle for me personally. I liked the I like the ethnic parts, but the rap just wasn't it for me. It just wasn't it for me. It wasn't really my shtees. Uh, but I, but I liked, I liked the ethnic part, but you know, the rap part, I mean, it really is like an ethno hip hop song. Like that's what it is. So if I'm not really feeling the rap, that's such a huge chunk of it. I can't possibly have it in my top 10. And I know for some people, this was one of their favorite songs. They loved it. 
for me, y'all already know. Or maybe some of y'all don't. Ukraine last year. Oh my gosh. I still listen to that song. And maybe this leads me into sort of the the like second section or maybe third section of today's podcast. I think a big reason why I wasn't really into this year as a whole, I think I'm still feeling Eurovision 2021. I still listen to my Eurovision 2021 playlist a lot, a lot. And even throughout the Eurovision 2022 season, I was still jamming to Eurovision 2021. That would, to me, Eurovision 2021 is sonically our strongest year. The amount of just quality songs that we had, not to mention just quality execution. Not just like you could listen to the playlist and it's like, oh, all these songs are good. But then the way people served the entries on stage with such a point of view, like unique thoughtful points of view, really bringing it together. And arguably, I think we had some genre diversity in 2021 too. It wasn't like, you know, 2021 was this like really homogenous year either. But I think we had a little bit more daring that happened and almost like daring people to consume this. And one of the entries that I think did that so well, other than, of course, our winner, Monaskin from Italy, was Ukraine. Ukraine 2021 was so good. So it was my most played song from Eurovision 2021. (laughs) Most played, actually, the first like act that I was able to interview was Go A. They were the first act that I had of my like sort of interview series of Eurovision 2021, which was completely unexpected because when I reached out, I was like, I don't even know if they'll say yes. (laughs) I was like, I don't even know if they'll say yes. Like this song is just so good. I just don't even know if they will want to talk to me about it and their music. Yeah, I, I think that's a big reason why hopping into 2022 was odd for me. And I don't think that 2022 was a weak year by any means. I I don't think it was a weak year. I do think it was an interesting year in the sense that I think we had a lot of show pieces. And I think I talked about this on my channel a lot. But a lot of the entries from Eurovision 2022, they weren't really sonic pieces. They were pieces you kind of had to see live. Now, as much as I sonically love Albania's track, I think for people who had never seen the National Selection performance, listening to it, you're like, oh, this is a lot. But if you see the performance where it's like, you see the intro, you see the ethnic piece, you see the dance break, it's hard to divorce yourself of the visual that felt so tied to the flow and pacing of the song and the track. You know, you couldn't really change it. I even say Israel as a sonic like studio track absolutely not like what you know i i i think i said in a video i was like it sounds like one of the songs that like the housewives would do 
And that's not even really like a read, but it's just like the housewives, you know, some of them like want to have like singing careers and stuff. And, you know, so they hook up with the DJ and the DJ makes something. And, you know, the, lyrically, it's a lot of uh, like, hey, girls and uplifting messages and kind of cliche lines and whatnot. But the way that Israel delivered it on the stage with such cleanliness and, and such precision in the execution, just like really tight uh, choreo and camera angles, you know, you receive the song differently when you see the visual. Same thing, I think, with Moldova's song. Moldova's song is about the energy. It's a showpiece. It's not something that you necessarily sit up in the car and vibe out to. You know, it really is a song that comes together when you're looking at it. And I think actually that's a lot of of what Eurovision was last year. There was so much weight placed on the visual. And I'm not saying that that's a bad thing. It's just different. So when it comes to me outside of the contest, sitting down and thinking, okay, what do I want to consume? You know, with Eurovision 2021, to me, so much of it was hedging on the studio cuts. I'd even say this year, you know, Spain's entry. So much of the impact of that is the visual. Watching Chanel do it. Now, that doesn't that doesn't say that the track is not strong or anything like that. And I'm not necessarily comparing it to Israel's track. I do think Spain's track is sort of this radio-friendly song. But for me, I don't know, based in the States, I just was like... If I'm trying to have like kind of like my Latin like vibe, I think I'm just in a little bit more of like a bad bunny space. Like I was really jamming to um I was listening to like some Caliuchis, I was listening to Bad Bunny, I was listening to Rosalia this summer. Um, oh, there's this one song, Pepa Yanaka. Yeah, um, I just was in that mood that if I wanted to sort of have that flair, I was just tuning into those before I was hopping into the Eurovision playlist to get into it. Um, you know, now I will say, of this year, the songs that kept me for a little while, That's Rich. That's Rich. I, I was I was still I was still showing that's rich some love around my birthday. I was. I was still feeling that. Stripper, I was still feeling that. Albania. Hey, I will never regret. Oh. You won't be my secret. Yeah, I was still feeling that. I was showing that some love. And definitely on my chill nights. I, I remember I had one night I was playing an uh, Iceland song. Yeah, I was feeling that. I was feeling that. And I did, I, um, where are you now when I miss you? Yeah, that one was still getting a little bit of love from me. That one was still getting a little love from me. But, you know, and Saudade, I think I had like Iceland and Portugal. At one point, I had those on like a playlist that would loop alongside. Yeah, I had those three. 
I think were on their own playlist. But everything else I kind of let go. I think I think I let Sweden's track go a little bit. I think I let Greece's track go a little bit. I think I let Greece's track go because I was a little bit bitter. I was a little bit bitter that it didn't do as well as it did. And I just was like, mm, why revisit my love only to be, you know, brought back to the reality of, you know, how it ended up all coming together. And then, and then, and then this is funny because y'all might bring up motto. I wasn't really listening to Saudade Saudade because motto came out with a whole album and I've been listening to her album. Like for real, I've just been listening to motto's album straight up. Like the minute it dropped, I was all in on the album. So I wasn't really playing Saudade because I had a whole album to digest. <laughs> I mean, that was that was where I kind of went. So it's interesting. I'm, I'm doing this whole podcast on just like, yeah, like how I I mean, where are y'all at? Are y'all still really? stuck on the Eurovision 20 and and this is what I mean not like individual tracks but are you really diving into you know your ESC faves playlist are you diving into the whole album of Eurovision 2022 because I don't know I just feel like I'm in this space where I'm really just there were a couple of songs I was listening to but I'd say now in this moment in the month of September I'm jamming to you know those songs that I experienced in the national selection Vasala had a whole album I think it's called like pop music or whatever and Puka's on that album I've been listening to that I've been listening to Mato's album and then Degrade I've been listening to that those are the tracks that I'm that stay in my rotation now. Where are y'all at though? Like for real, where are y'all at? Are y'all like maybe I'm crazy? Maybe I'm the only one experiencing this, but I'm just I'm not diving into the hole and kind of keeping that drum beat going like I normally do. And I'll even raise y'all this, y'all. I started I started getting back into some Eurovision's past playlists too. Y'all, I've been listening to Mustache lately a lot. Je veux si, je veux ça, which honestly was robbed. I don't care what anybody says. That song was good. I, I, I'm not a fan. I'm not a fan of where it came. I, I've been re, I've been re, revisiting that track. I've been I've been revisiting Eurovision 2020 a little bit, listening to Dottie's track, listening to the Roop. I was I was hopping back into my Eurovision 2020 faves playlist. Eden Allen, Fekker Labee. I've been hopping into that. I've been hop y'all. I've been revisiting Eurovision 2016. I've been listening to the sound of silence. I've been listening to If Love Was a Crime. I've been listening to Jay Cherche. I've been listening to Love Wave. Y'all, I've even been listening to I've Been Waiting for This Night. Yes, Donnie Montel. I have been listening to Donnie Montel, y'all. I've been full. 
y'all and you know what because y'all are haters I've been listening to Joe and Jake you're not alone y'all it's crazy it's crazy I've been revisiting all these other Eurovision years but I haven't been dipping into my Eurovision 2022 playlist that much it's sacrilege y'all y'all gonna fire me y'all gonna fire me I don't know. I don't know why I'm in this space. I don't know why I'm in my, in this space. And I'm just, I'm hoping that I'm not alone. You're not alone. We're in this together. All that you are. Uh, yeah. I, it's a weird space to be. I admit it. I'm in a weird space. But that's my Eurovision 2022 confession. Please tell me y'all haven't fired me. Please tell me y'all haven't fired me. And let me know where you're at. What songs from Eurovision 2022 are you still listening to? Tell me. Or are you like me and you're really dipping deep into the national selection tracks? The songs that got away. The songs that got away. Or are y'all just reminiscing and, and doing Eurovision again? Listening to some Eurovision songs of Eurovision past. All right, that's me, Alicia Michelle, on the Eurovision For Real podcast. If you haven't already, please subscribe to the podcast. I want to keep this going. I love talking to y'all and connecting with y'all. I'm ready for us to find out our host city is coming. It's coming. It's coming. It's coming. All right. Thank you for listening. Bye.